More and more, we are realizing the true power community has to lift up the human race in so many ways. We started this show to put the spotlight on community organizations, to highlight their contributions, and to share insights on the importance of community. Every week, tune in as our host, Stu Starkey, helps raise awareness around one of the most important aspects in all of our lives. Welcome to the community of Big Hearts. All right, welcome back, everybody. Um, this week, well, first of all, uh, welcome back to Community of Big Hearts. Um, I was getting too excited to introduce my next guest. Um, this week, we're here with Joan Lee from Vukova Recreational Facilities out of Calgary, Alberta. Um, I got a bit of a personal connection with them. So, um, again, really excited. And without further ado, uh, Joan I'm Lee, great. I'm great. It's, I'm looking out my window here in Calgary, and it's a bright, sunny day. Albeit there's snow on the ground, it's a bright, sunny day. We uh, on the prairies here have had a really nice last uh, couple weeks. Um, unseasonably warm for, for us. I'm in Winnipeg right now, but spend lots of time in Calgary and, and the other cities in Western Canada. Um, so right. really thankful on the weather. Um, <laughs> One, uh, I want to do a, a quick intro because when I was reading about you guys, um, I thought it was amazing that the four things that you were focusing on. So Vakova, as I understand it, is a recreational facility that has a bit of a specialty in helping uh, people with disabilities. Um, and the focuses are uh, focused on inclusion, um, getting um people active, um, trying to bring the highest standards of well-being and safety and security, all for people with uh, varying disabilities. And, and I'd love for you to tell me a little bit more or correct me where I was wrong there. Uh, well, Bokova has, um, Bokova Center for Disabilities uh, Services and Research is, is a large not-for-profit. It's, it's a charitable organization in Calgary. We've been uh, providing services for over 50 years in Calgary, so we have a long and very successful uh, background. Uh, we also engage in a number of social enterprises and businesses, and uh, certainly research and demonstration is very near uh, dear to us and that that was one of the core uh, services that we provided when we started. I was going to ask so um, from what I was reading that this is really important to me when you guys talk about um, having that more inclusion getting getting uh, people active um, higher standards of well-being one of the more, most important things people can feel that safety and security obviously so how do you focus on those things? What they, what what activities, what research are you doing to improve those those four main points? Well, we're really focusing on what what a person's quality of life looks like, and that's really our mandate: is to improve the quality of of an individual's life and also the equity of people with disabilities. And and we're doing that through building the capacity and the understanding within the communities and trying to reduce and minimize any barriers that people would experience um, or challenges that they're experiencing that preclude them from that quality of life that they so do. Uh, in our services, Bukova is a strong advocate 
for that uh, improved quality of life. And it's really about increasing that rate of understanding for, and support and how we can change in society. You know, we talk about imagining uh, an inclusive society where the focus, it really is on ability and not on disability, where, where um, our differences don't divide us, but they unite us. And, and not focusing on what we can't do, but more what we can do. And, where everybody contributes and belongs and where people with disabilities feel welcomed and included and embraced, um, that they're active, enriched, um, engaged, that they feel safe and secure in their environments, in their communities. It's, it's such um, an important message. I think everybody listening can, can see how that would be important. Um, and for myself, you know, I've heard that before um, and thought, yeah, that's important. But until I felt it myself, I didn't realize how important it was. So for the listeners, you know, probably most of them know like, I have a visual impairment and um, it, it's something that's been uh, degenerative. So been progressing down this, this road of adapting to lower vision. And it's not something that I realized some of the, barriers I was actually uh, dealing with um, until I joined a community that helped lift those barriers. And then it was like, oh, wow, you know, this is how great this kind of activity or, or you know, life can be in this area. So um, it, it's really, really impactful to those that are feeling those, those barriers for, um, for what you guys are doing, the research you're doing. I would love to hear um, about some of the more interesting things that you've learned in your research in those areas. Is there anything that stands out to you that's been really impactful? Oh, <laughs> where to begin, Stu? I could spend a lot of time uh, talking to you about some of our research and the impact, and also our, our research in terms of Vakova taking what we have learned from theory and applying it into practice. You know, we, we conduct social research to make impact and policy changes and legislative, you know, feed into making legislative changes to have impact for people with disabilities. You know, something that you were saying, Stu, is that disability knows no bounds. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't, it, if, can and does affect all areas within our society. And I think that's one of the reasons that we're trying to change that narrative in that, you know, many of us are aging uh, with a disability or aging into a disability. And the numbers um, are significant within, um, within society of the number of people who either identify with or present um, as having a barrier to the quality of life that they would like to have, or that they identify as having a disability of some nature. I would love to know some of the, the trending things that you're seeing through the research you're doing. You know, um, you said people that identify um, with some sort of disabilities going from one in seven to one, one in five. Are there other um, trends that you're seeing that the listeners would, um, would be surprised by? 
Um, you know, we see mental health uh, issues um, starting uh, as trending, and we're certainly seeing, um, you know, through as we are all living through the COVID situation, where the need for mental health support, counseling, family counseling um, is on the rise. We're seeing that number uh, increase within uh, the youth, children and youth populations. And um, we're also seeing an increase in the number of youth with disabilities. For example, in Calgary, 7% of Calgary's youth uh, identify as having a disability uh, between the ages roughly 15 to 24 within that. When we think about the rise of disabilities, um, part of that number, I'm often asked, well, what does that, what, why, why is that? And, you know, A, we have an increase in population growth. And two, there's greater understanding of what a disability is. And as much as we don't necessarily um, always want to be talking about a disability because, you know, it, it is language that um, can segregate as opposed to be on the inclusion end of the spectrum. Um, but we talk about people are more open. We're seeing that people are more open to identify what their needs are. And this is what I need to be having a quality of life or succeed in my employment in my work environment, in my home environment. Um, we're seeing people talking about it more. We're also hearing and seeing people's awareness increasing. Now we have a long way to go so that we can impact, have greater impact in, in terms of um, harnessing some of that. It's probably about eight years ago or so I started to, and when I felt had to work up the courage for me to start using um, a mobility aid, which is a cane, as people would know it, uh, for somebody who's losing their vision. And the very first day I started using it, I was walking down a, a bit of a busier street and someone yelled out saying, hey, that guy's not blind, he's looking around. And <laughs> holy smokes, like, uh, had they known the courage it needed for me just to use that cane for the first time and then to get called out on, you know, one of my worst fears that, you know, I'm not ready to use this thing. And in fact, like I was probably late to the game and using it. I'm tripping over and bumped into all sorts of things. <laughs> Uh, and people where they don't realize that I have a visual impairment. They think I'm just a jerk, not paying attention to where I'm going. Um, and um, so the, the awareness is such an important thing for, uh, for my level of ability with vision. Um, and in some areas, when you go to the States, it's much more um, educated and friendly, which I was pretty surprised about. Um, and in Canada, we, we seem to be a little bit less educated on it. I've had many more experiences like that, but that was the worst one kind of digesting that. And, and that would be my wish as someone with low vision to get that education out there and spread the word. I think, you know, you touch on a really great point and, and um, Vakova is looking to build a new facility as a center for all abilities. And one of the principal um, uh, 
areas that we wanted to focus on was a facility whereby people, they belong there. They belong there just because they belong there. It is their place where they can feel a sense of security, that they feel they're not being judged, that they feel just belonging, that they belong there to get whatever services that they can come and go and get whatever they needed. But when we, when we were doing our due diligence and talking to our stakeholders and in, in when we were planning for the design of the facility, we heard over and over and over again that people with disabilities, and this was coming from stakeholders. We had a real range of stakeholders from the academics, from uh, families, from people with disabilities, from the medical professions, from the um, families, uh, from uh, you know, students uh, and our workers and our employees, all coming together to talk about what is it that you know, would be in that environment. And awareness came up over and over and over again, as well as that sense of belonging, that sense of, of safety and security and not judgmental. And when we were planning the, the new facility, the design of that, as much as you want fully accessible design, we also heard that people want spaces. They want spaces where it's just natural, where it's spaces where they feel welcomed, they feel that um, they can maneuver easily, and but also they wanted spaces that, geez, you know, I'm having an off day today, so I want to go into a fitness area and just be working on whatever I want to work on in, you know, whatever equipment and just do my things. Other times they wanted spaces, we were told, you know, we want to be included. We want to be not off to the side. We want to be right in the midst of the mix of the spin classes or the, you know, whatever class, Zumba classes that are going on. We want to be right there. But we also heard there is a time when we want to have space where we can just be by ourselves. We also heard in our, when we were designing the facility and particularly around the aquatics end of things, so many large aquatics um, facilities have lots of stimulations and, and uh, you know, great big waterfalls and everything coming out uh, and play areas. And we heard, you know, we need the stimulation, but in moderation. And we were thinking about our, our consumer base that, you know, might present with autism or hearing impairment or sight or mental health issues where it could be overstimulation and oversensory. So we were really cognizant of thinking about the diversity and, and interesting enough when we were um, doing our focus groups and we just opened them up to general public. The general public also told us, we want those things. We, we too want those. And so it was one of those aha moments where it says, we're not different. We all want the same things. And so how do we bring that together in terms of a facility or, or a place where people can achieve that 
but they can achieve it together. That there is no, you know, um, there's no bounds. There's no parameters of where we're fitting in. Everybody is there as uh, an inclusive society where the impact of the COVID services, the impact of what we're doing is seen and felt every day. I, um, I'm laughing uh, when you were talking about the stimulation in the, in the pool environment, especially. I grew up swimming competitively and as my vision uh, dipped, pool navigation became harder and harder because it was it was so loud, it's so echoey. There's, there's so much sound going on, and especially with those like kids, like water mushroom things. Um, <laughs> and a lot of how I navigate is by sound. Um, so it is quite stressful trying to get around uh, you know, worrying about, you know, falling off into a pool or, or otherwise. So that's, uh, that's great to hear that you're considering that. And I never even thought to give that feedback to anyone. Um, I, I do want to just back up a minute and you're, you're talking about, uh, belonging. Uh, a lot of what we're learning through the last year and doing this podcast is the sense of belonging is, is the most important thing people can feel with community. Um, the, the opposite of loneliness is belonging right. and it is so powerful uh, when you feel it and so powerful when you feel the opposite. You know, when, when you feel loneliness, you, um, they've shown at a cellular level um, it, it is damaging to the point where it's equal to alcoholism. Um, and um, so, yeah, like I'm so happy that you guys are, are doing that research, working on belonging and, and in having this inclusion of people that sometimes through their varying levels of abilities have, have trouble participating in, in regular classes or facilities that are designed for people with full ability. Um, I wanna give one example that I really, uh, I teed up for once I started learning about you guys and um, it's about when I joined uh, Parasport. I had been participating in it for a couple of years, and I was trying a, a new uh, a new Parasport, which was uh, uh, paranordic skiing, cross country skiing. Um, and a, a, a guy that just joined our team, um, he had had a, uh, a motocross accident where he broke his back and, and was confined to a wheelchair and. Um, I was talking to his parents and he said he was really down and kind of socially removed. And he joined ASRAB, which is the Alberta Sports Association for the blind initially, but now it was for all sports or all levels of ability. Um, and so he joined and, and he started to become more and more integrated. And after about a year, he became very good at, at para skiing, um, sit skiing. And from the day I first met him where you could barely get a few words out of him to a year later where we were um, at the Canada Winter Games in, uh, in the residences, uh, we were eating lunch. And at this point, I'm used to him being a lot more social um, at the end of that year. And then we were eating lunch and he had gone back to being kind of removed. And I thought, oh, like maybe he's dealing with something. So I asked him, hey, what are you doing there? Join the conversation. And he looked up with a little bit of a smile and he says, um, Tinder. <laughs> and, and it was just, 
so happy. It was such a moving thing for me to see the transformation of somebody with a sense of belonging and confidence that you get from activity and sport um, from where he came from to, to where he was just a short year later. So uh, usually I ask our guests to, to tell impactful stories. And this time I've earmarked a few for me to tell personally, because because I'm uh, I get goosebumps thinking about how impactful organizations like yours are. I think outside of like belonging, how important that is, the sense of duty, um, sense of purpose um, that comes with having a job is is probably even more important than that sense of belonging. It's so so powerful. Um, so that must feel really good having that as part of your, your programs and portfolio of services that you provide. We, we do offer, you know, we, we also have housing services do where we provide support to people living in a whole range of housing uh, services, uh, 24-7. Um, and, you know, be that from uh, homes that they own and we go in and provide the support. So, we're hearing a lot in the news now about the caregivers in long-term care or short-term, but we too provide uh, housing support services for people with disabilities. And, um, you know, certainly during the COVID situation, those services were fully operational. The other areas of, you know, I touched on that Bokova has offered physiotherapy or rehab therapy, but also our um, mental health counseling. Um, these are services that we've been offering to the community for since, since inception, uh, our employment services. Well, what don't you guys do? <laughs> I think that might be a, a, the shorter conversation. This is incredible, uh, all the programs you guys have and the impact. Um, but what, one of the things on employment programs, it's something that I'm super passionate about. Um, uh, we, at Two Small Men, we helped help start and pilot an employment program with CNIB for, for people with low vision. Right. And, and um, the only thing I'm gonna add to the, the impacts that of the win-win-win um, is that the, this pool of people that, that um, we get to pull from um, are, highly unemployed, which means these people are typically um, highly skilled compared to the average person um, that's looking for work. And it's a benefit to the employer to be able to pull from this pool of, of people that are looking for work. I assume that's the same in, in all different kinds of disabilities. It, it's certainly the same in in a lot of different industries as well. And, and in our work with our employment program, uh, we do spend time working with employers to talk about what a diverse workforce looks like and what 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 um, how do you have somebody with a barrier to employment coming in? How do you support them? And how do you support your workforce to be um, integrated? and have those accommodations. And so, because Bacova is, is an employer, we're able to walk that talk and say, you know, sometimes there's, there's things and let's problem solve and, and get this through. It's important, um, you know, people want to feel valued and contributing into the workforce. And so we spend time, we're really focusing in on 
um, job search and job training and job coaching for people to have them re-enter or engage into the workforce because their life circumstances might change over time as well. But there's the other side of it, is working with the employers across industry, pan-disability, talking about what it takes to have people with disabilities or barriers to employment coming into the workforce and how can we all support each other, you know, to the greater good on that. We start early with that. Uh, we have been working with um, a number or a, a number of school boards um, for things like forever, but um, doing early employment and volunteer experience. So youth transition um, with students in grades 10, 11, and 12 to get some work experience so that when they reach you know, the 18, the magical 18, and their services are changing and they want to employment support, what does that look like? And so it's that transitioning from uh, childhood in, or youth into adulthood and um, setting up um, uh, positive work experiences with the goal of transitioning into uh, a permanent uh, work, work uh, environment for, for individuals. So we spend a fair bit of time uh, connecting in with our partners in that regard. And, and we've met with a tremendous amount of success. Uh, people are engaged, the, work, the employers are engaged and uh, it has been quite positive for people. But one of the things that you've said too is that sense of self-confidence. It's the sense of, of um, embracing, you know, like I'm here, pay attention to me and, and uh, I can do so much and offer so much. And, and we hear that, people tell us that all the time. Everybody wants to feel embraced and welcomed and belonging and, and sense of that. At Pacova, we, we do really focus on those pillars of uh, innovation, uh, inclusion, and impact. And we look at that in everything that we do. We ask ourselves intentionally, are we being inclusive? Are we promoting a sense of belonging? Are we having impact? And how do we know when we're having impact? What are our success measures? How can we build on those? And what is our inclusion strategy? How are we going to reach out to others? And so, yeah, we those do a lot of questions. Yeah, those are great questions we should all be asking ourselves because you've heard through this conversation how impactful this is to so many people. Probably you guys can put yourselves in um, the shoes of people attending uh, the Vakova facility um, and understand how impactful it is. So. It's a great message to end on, uh, Joan. Um, I, I could talk about this forever. So well, one thing I want to ask you is how can Community of Big Hearts and its listeners um, help Bacoa? Engage in the conversation. Uh, there's a whole range of things. Engage in the conversation about awareness of people with disabilities engage in the conversation of what a good civil society looks like, engage in that conversation about where we focus in on people's abilities and talk about Vakova, reach out to Vakova and ask, 
what kinds of supports and services we provide, how can we act, how can we help? And so we need to hear from the listeners and people saying, you know, I have this idea or I need this and where could I go? How, what resources, you know, might you be able to provide? Bacova is going to be embarking on a very large capital campaign to move our facility forward. And so we are reliant also on our donors and our stewards and uh, as well. So please, I would ask people to go onto our website, check out what we do and uh, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We'd be happy to connect in with you and always tell you more about Bacova and how we can help out. A larger, new, purpose-built facility on the way with your donations. It can be can be made uh, made happen in Calgary. So, listeners, especially those in Calgary, um, see if you can um, find the money to donate. Thank you so much, Joan Lee from Bacova. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Stu. Stay, stay well. Thank you so much for joining us on this community spotlight. If you're a volunteer or leader who knows of someone or is someone contributing in your community, we want to hear from you. Go to communityofbighearts.com and click the nominate tab and let us know who they or you are. We look forward to speaking with you. Thank you again for tuning into the Community of Big Hearts.